So we're looking at Matthew chapter 25. Grace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. So 25, I'm not going to read it now because I've read it and we'll go through it as we go along. Lord, may may you speak to us through your word today. Fill our hearts with joy, with a desire to see you, to be with you when you come again and give us a desire to be with you every day of our lives on earth so that when you do come along, we're well acquainted with you and we just want to be with you forever. Lord, hear our prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen. So for the next few weeks, we're going to look at this return of Christ. It's the last three Sundays of the church here and um, and uh, that will... That will come, and then Advent begins from the first Sunday of next month. We start again. So the focus on these Sundays is about the return of Christ. Today, the reading is about the kingdom of heaven, what that will be like for those who are ready and for those who are not ready. And next week, it'll be, be and I've... Uh, David Buck was at the first service and he's taking it next week, so I was able to tell him what it will be about. I said it will be about the kingdom of heaven again and those who squander their opportunities and those who grasp them with both hands. And that follows straight after today's reading. And then on the last Sunday, when I'll be back again in the pulpit um, of the month, we'll focus on the last judgment. That's the great judgment, um, the, the sheep and the goats, and, um, and it'll be about those who saw Christ and served him and those who couldn't see Christ and therefore didn't serve him. And don't think, now I know it all, I don't have to come. There will be a little bit more than that. In each story, there is great happiness for some, and listen to this, And there is weeping and gnashing of teeth for others. That really hits you in the face, doesn't it? Weeping and gnashing of teeth. I was planning to call today's sermon, Coming Ready or Not. Um, And you know what that was about, I'm sure, lots of you. Then I decided to call it Ready to Dance or Dance. Somebody said we're in Australia now. We don't talk like the Kiwis here, but I do. For it's about a wedding and those who were and those who weren't ready to join the bridal waltz. Someone has said, God is a party giver. We often think he's a party pooper, but he's a party giver. That should be clear from just reading the New Testament about all the stories that Jesus tells about parties and about banquets and about weddings and and. Um, I don't know, Jesus hardly ever told a story about a funeral, did he? Whenever he went to a funeral, he just raised the people from the dead. You think, that's pretty good. Hope he comes to my funeral. Yeah, that should be clear. Yeah, all the stories. And, And when we think about Holy Communion, we think that's a drab affair. But communion is a feast, isn't it? The feast of eternal life. And we've got one of those great songs we sing, we don't sing it here, but one of those great liturgical songs about uh, the feast of the kingdom and so on. We should have that sometimes, I think. 
Is Sharon here? Worship committee? Yep, we, we could have that. It's a great, great hymn of praise. And that's at the centre of our faith, communion, which is a celebration of the presence of Christ, of his body and blood given for us on the cross, is at the centre of our whole faith and our worship. Friedrich Nietzsche, who was a sceptical German philosopher and part-time Christian, (laughs) uh, said that he's only interested in a God who can dance. Jesus lamented that he played the pipe for people, but they wouldn't dance. You notice how I've changed from dance to dance suddenly for your benefit. Remember the days when the church banned dancing? Can some of you remember that? Oh, well, I do. I sort of do. Um, But most of us found ways to get around it, even though I was a pretty pathetic dancer. But I remember when in my first parish some people left the church because we sang a song, Lord of the Dance. And we're going to sing it today because it is so good. It is such a good song. It really describes the Christian life in an amazing way. But some people got upset because of something, I don't know what. Chesterton said, we are made for and invited to a joy that were it shown to us in advance, we would reject it because we couldn't imagine it. That's a fairly big statement, but uh, the drift of it is if God told us now how good heaven is, we say, I don't believe it. And Mother Teresa said, never let anything so fill you with sorrow that it makes you forget the joy of the risen Christ. What a great statement. So let's be ready to enter the joy that Jesus says no one can take from you. So let's look at our four parts. First of all, the bridegroom is coming. That's the reason for the joy and, and, and for the dancing. Jesus is coming, the bridegroom's coming, and you're invited to it, by the way. You're invited, and each one of you is invited. If some of you are here for the first time ever, you're invited. Isn't that good? You've got an invitation. The ten girls represent you who are invited. Women and men, sinners, but as you heard last week, all saints through what Christ has done for you, the wise and the foolish, a very mixed bunch are invited, Judas, the betrayer and thief, Paul, the murderer and the persecutor of Christians and then the great apostle and missionary, the woman caught in adultery, Bill Hayden, Bill Hayden, the atheist, for all but the last years of his life where he turned to Christ as his saviour. How good is that? And would you believe the ABC even told us in their news broadcast of it? Yes, the ABC has done something good for a change. Yep. And we're not finished with this list of names. Putin, the baptised member of the Orthodox Church. Hitler, 
the baptised Roman Catholic, all invited to this feast with the bridegroom. All of them stand together with you as part of these ten virgins in the story today. What a motley crowd. God chooses, but God is not choosy. We need to know that. God chooses and he is not choosy. God made us all and God loves us all and God wants us all to be part of the eternal marriage feast for his son, Jesus Christ. That's the point of life. But in case you're getting nervous about the company you're going to have to keep or about my theology about this, we might need to hear another word of Jesus which says, many are called. And you know how it finishes, but few are chosen. We're all invited, but we're not all going to make the cut. And that's not God's choice. That's our choice. If we're not there... That's our choice, not to be there. So let's have a look what causes some of these problems that people aren't going to be there on that day. The bridegroom is delayed. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and the ten girls all became drowsy and fell asleep. They're not the first ones to fall asleep uh, as they wait for Jesus to return. The disciples fell asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane. You've got to remember, you've got to feel a bit sorry for those poor disciples because they'd just been drinking about four cups of wine before they went out, and it would have been red wine, I'm sure, uh, because it was the night, uh, the, the night where they were celebrating the covenant, the, the escape from Egypt, and, and the night Jesus was betrayed. But the church has too often fallen asleep on the job, uh, the job of spreading the gospel uh, and it's called by St. Paul to wake from your slumber because you, our salvation is nearer now than we first believed. So every day that Jesus isn't coming back is a, a day nevertheless that's closer to his return. Maybe you've even fallen asleep as you listen to a long-winded sermon from an old retired pastor and you've had a lot of them in recent months but that's going to end, isn't it? That's going to end on February the 4th, basically. But why is the bridegroom delayed? That's the question. Why, why is, it, is he just teasing people or what's going on? Maybe because, and listen to this, because the church is so slow at making disciples of all nations. And Jesus promises this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. Then the end will come. When the gospel has been preached to every corner of the earth, then the end will come. Surely this is a wake-up call to the church to get on with the mission task that Jesus has given us and called us to. Jesus' delay in returning is not an excuse for lazy, 
inactive and kindly we say um, nominal Christians. It's not an excuse. But listen to this, what Paul says. It's a sign of God's patience and kindness and it's meant to lead you to repentance. Meant to lead you to repentance, to turn around and to come to God and get to know him and be his friend and be ready. So thirdly, the bridegroom is coming, but some are not ready. I'd say that I've underestimated that a bit. I would say many are not ready. This is the very sad part of this parable. Yet it's the great warning of this parable. The ten girls were all asleep, so that's not the real problem that they were asleep. This is the problem. The problem is the five foolish girls took no oil with them. We all go to sleep on the job sometimes, don't we? We all go to sleep at times. We have periods in our life where we phase out a bit in our Christian life um, and go to sleep, if you like. But that's not the real issue. The real issue is, are we prepared? Do we have oil in our lamps? So when the bridegroom comes, we're ready. And that's the problem with these five foolish girls. They rejoiced in what this world had to offer, but did not rejoice in spending time with their Lord in prayer, in listening to God's word, maybe in Bible study, whatever. They were prepared for the present, but not for the future. They lived for this world and were not prepared for the next world. Hardly gave the next world a thought. And suddenly it was too late. It's not that they were devoted to doing evil. Listen to what chapter 24 says. As in the days of Noah, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. And we could wish a few more people would even be doing that today. But, and they're all good things for the present. They're all the things you do in the present. You don't marry so that you'll go to heaven and you don't eat and drink so you'll go to heaven. You do these things because you're living on earth. But when the flood came, it says, they're all swept away. And then he says, so too will be the coming of the Son of Man. That's Jesus, the bridegroom. And that's the main point of this parable. The parables and of the parables to come in the next two weeks. So if you don't like this, maybe you won't want to come in the next two weeks. And Jesus says in 2444, Therefore you must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. We're only ready when we are ready now. Now is the hour, <clears throat> now is the hour to hear the word of God and live according to it. Not when I get older. Now. Now's the time. Now's the hour to receive Jesus in Holy Communion and rejoice in his loving presence with us. Now is the hour to confess our sins and dance with joy that we are forgiven. I'm sorry I didn't give you that chance today, but there you go. We can do it during the last hymn today, by the way. Now is the hour when we have opportunity to learn to dance with Jesus 
so that when he comes again, we're well prepared for the eternal bridal waltz. Now, I don't know if that happens in your t- happened in your time, but sometimes people would do dancing lessons so they could dance a bit sensibly at their weddings. Did any of you have to do that? You didn't? Oh, well, so you messed it up every time, but there you go. And that's not really the issue either. But now is the hour to be growing strong in your faith, lest we are caught short on the last day, knocking on the doors that are closed for us eternity. Let me in, let me in. No, no, no. You've had 70 years or 80 years or 20 years or whatever it is. How sad that is. So much time yet so much wasted on trivia and we'll be left standing outside the door knocking. So many opportunities to grasp eternal life yet so many fail to grasp them because their hands are full of things, of stuff that have no value when the bridegroom comes again. I never knew you, says Jesus, to all those knocking on the door, the closed door. Now listen to what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, I never called you. He doesn't say, I never loved you. He doesn't say, I never died on the cross for you. He just says one thing, I never knew you. Why? Why? Well, we can only surmise here, but I think I never knew you because you never knew me. You never bothered with me. You weren't interested in a relationship with me. I certainly don't want to be one of those outside the door knocking left outside for eternity, missing the eternal party. Last point, the bridegroom is coming. Blessed are those who are ready. The bridegroom came and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet. What made these five girls ready? The wise took flasks of oil with them. What was in those flasks of oil? I wonder, because remember it's a parable. Well, I know that they weren't filled with their good works because you're not saved by your good works. But I know you're saved by grace, by what God does for us. So we can be sure that that oil represents the grace of God, that it's filled with the grace of God. They had prepared by being filled with the grace of God and by trusting in Jesus. They were ready by grace through faith, as we say. They trusted in what Jesus did for them through his death and through his resurrection. When the bridegroom comes, that's enough. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. That's enough. Trusting in Jesus is enough when the roll is called up yonder. What a joy to go with the bridegroom into the eternal wedding banquet. Now, I remember the day Joy and I were remembered, uh, married rather, almost 55 years ago. It was a relatively humble affair. 
you know, when I think back and I think, we didn't even have any beer or wine or anything at our wedding. I don't know what we had. Were we so stingy or what were we, were we so poor? I don't know what it was. But we had, but we had lots of dancing and we had a wedding cake and 150 guests or something. And we ate sandwiches and stuff. You, you wouldn't believe this, would you? You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah. So, but what I'm using, saying this is, is a comparison that heaven is nothing like that. Heaven, everything will be laid on. All will be laid on. There'll be six or eight or a thousand casks full of 600 litres of wine there for us. Or whatever you want. We sing, and we sang this in the first hymn uh, song to, uh, service today, no eye has seen that sight, no ear heard such delight, what rejoicing, yet there will we eternally sing hymns of joy and praise to thee. Now, I reckon they're pretty good words. And whether you like singing hymns or songs or not is not the issue. The point is, in heaven, you're going to like it. You're going to like it. And if you don't like dancing, and even if you're opposed to dancing, in heaven, you will like dancing. And they're all metaphors, anyhow, for the best possible life that God has prepared for us when he comes again. Are you ready to dance? That's the issue. Are you ready or getting ready to dance forever? Amen. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.